The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew from the fifth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The Gospel reading this morning is from the book of St. Matthew, chapter 5, verses 13 through 20, and can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1501. Matthew 5, 13 through 20. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on by foot. You are the light of the world. A tower built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise, praise to you, Lord Christ. You may be seated. <clears throat> Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, Paul says, and you've heard me, I love this phrase, and it even caused a chuckle in the men's group yesterday. Paul said, I resolved to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Let me take you on a little journey here. At the beginning of the new year, we're kind of young into it. It is traditional for some that we make resolutions. And resolutions are promises concerning things that we will try to accomplish in the year to come. Usually they have to do with losing weight or something such as that. A wise man once made a list of resolutions that I'd like to share with you today. 
And I believe that they are resolutions that will help to ensure that we all have a happy and a prosperous new year. Are you ready? Hmm? Okay. Here's your list to happiness. In the new year, in the new year, be sure to lie, cheat, drink, swear, and steal more than you did last year. Lie. Lie back and relax just a little more this year. Let a little more life happen to you without so much worry. Cheat. Failure. Cheat. Failure. Don't be afraid to try something new because you think you, may, you might fail. It is through failure that we learn the most valuable lessons. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. Many people around you have already been down roads that you are about to travel. Learn from them, from their mistakes and their successes, and take what they learned and use it. Swear to do your best all the time in every situation that is all anybody will ever ask. Steal a little time for God. Every day take a little more time to develop your relationship with God. And so if you lie, if you cheat, and you drink and swear and steal just a little more this next year, you will have a profitable and an enjoyable life. May God bless you in the new year. I think it's time I better say a prayer right now. Heavenly Father, Boy, I hope they heard what I intended them to hear. And I pray, Father, that you uh, would work a miracle in each and every heart. Lord, help us to live this year in a way that will be pleasing to you. Amen. And now for the meat. 1 Corinthians 2. It's kind of a letter to me, a letter to you. Let's listen in on this advice. Did you know that church is not a popularity contest? Did you know that it's not about who you know or what you know or what you can do for God? And in the same way, preaching is not a popularity contest. It's not about what you know. It's not about what and how well you speak. It's not about what stories or jokes or wordsmithing you can do for your hearers. Preaching is not about the elaborate sermon series. I'm talking to me in that part. It's all about Jesus and him crucified, risen from the dead for you, for the life of the whole world. 
proclaimed to you and to me. That's what preaching's about. Pastors are to preach the word in season and out of season. They are to correct, to rebuke, and to reprove with all manner of gentleness and teaching. And honestly, there's not much popularity in that. Not with the people, not with the world. And yet, in order for a pastor to do his job, he is to speak, he is to use his mouth, and oh Lord, how dangerous that is. It's dangerous work because the tongue is a fire. It is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. And it sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell. You know that, and I know that. The things that we say, oh, they can destroy. Our mouths can be a two-edged sword. With one breath, we can bless. And on the other, we can curse. We, well, but even then, there is a greater temptation for this pastor any pastor to tell you what is popular. It's a temptation, temptation to connect with you and our modern ways of thinking and what we accept today as a society. I want to be a wet blanket. I want to be kind of cool, right? By telling the truth, that's a problem. We strive as pastors to remain faithful, but the old Adam is always there to tell us to itch your ears, to tell you the things that you want to hear, the things that are not about Jesus and all his blessed life-giving death and resurrection for you. There is a temptation for this pastor to speak something else. But none of you are off the hook either. In the end, I'm sure you'd rather your pastor be the one who is a bit more edgy or popular or who will tell you at least something that will keep you awake. Could be saying, tell us something, anything, than what we already know, pastor. Yeah, yeah, we know that Jesus was crucified for us. Yes, we know that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Yes, pastor. We know that faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Yet that whole Jesus on the cross thing was so last week. And the week after that, and the week after that, and the week after that. Give us something fresh. Give us something relevant. Give us something meaningful. Quit pointing to the 
gory dead God on the cross and give me a Jesus that is just all right by me. I hear a song in that. Jesus is just all right by me. Okay, stop singing, Pastor. I beg you, have mercy. Give me a God, Pastor, who fits how I want little G God to be just like myself. A God who will not look upon the secret sins of my life saying that I deserve death. A little g God who will not require punishment and the shedding of the blood to pay for what I've done. But a little g God who is my best buddy, my bosom pal. And yet, Scripture says, the foolishness of a man ruins It ruins his way, and his heart rages against the Lord. My foolishness, my heart rages in its natural state against the Lord, and so does yours. This is why Paul grounds both the pastor and you, the hearer, with our reading from today. Paul said, and when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, I was with you in fear, And in much trembling. And my message, my preaching, were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of the power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Now, pastors are sent to preach the living and the active word of God so that the prophet who once foretold might remain true. This is from Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11. Isaiah wrote, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth, and it will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire. So says the Lord. Now preaching the cross is really preaching the true power of God. And by this preaching, God sends and accomplishes what he desires. And what he desires is the forgiveness of sins for you and for me. For the blood Jesus speaks, from the blood Jesus speaks pardon on your behalf. And there's nothing flashy or flashing. There is 
no fog machine, no bait and switch. In that proclamation, there is nothing but the inspiration of the pure gospel. It's power from the bloody pulpit of the cross where it is heard, where Jesus said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And Jesus must be the preaching. Jesus must be the preaching, for only Jesus does the dying and the rising for you and for me. Now, Paul did it with fear and trembling, being totally counterculture. What a lonely place that must have been for him, we can imagine, going against what the culture says is right and true. In fact, Paul lost his life because of it. You know, the Lord uses the foolish things of the world to overcome that which is wise. He uses the weak things of the world to overcome that which is strong. And we should, all who have ears to hear, forget what we want, forget what is popular. And in our preaching and in our hearing, it must always be this. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Show us him on the cross. Show him alive again. Please proclaim to me that I am forgiven, and you are. You are forgiven. Let us see and hear him so that we may know and receive the power of God. For we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And it is only by this faith that we can truly respond. We say it in a service, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Alleluia. That's not just something nice that we say. That's the power of the gospel. Now this steady diet that God has called his servants to proclaim to his people, here I stand, and I shall do no less for you, my beloved. In the name of Jesus, amen.